Jesus Christ be praised. That's just, I love that song. I love our music here. I really do. I love the, the songs we've sung this morning. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. I tell you, it's just great. And uh, it may, every song we sing, I want to get up and say something about it. It seems like, I say, oh, that's just so good. It's just uh, so true. And uh, the words are so rich. So they, did you know that Christians are the only religious group in the world who actually sing? I know some of you think you want to, really? Yeah. There are other groups that chant, and they have uh, memorized chants that they do and things like that. But as far as singing joyful praise, we're the only people who do that. Isn't that amazing? And you know the reasons? Because we're the only ones who have something to joyfully praise. We have a God to praise. Amen? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> By the way, if you are not in a Sunday school class, we have a, a Sunday school class that meets at 9.30. And I know some people think, well, 10, 10.45, that's kind of when I come to church. And I, and I understand that. But if you'd like to come an hour earlier, we have uh, three adult classes. We have uh, Miss Pam Holtz teaches a class, and Brother Al Holtz teaches a class, and then I'm teaching a class. And if you'd like to come at 9.30 for a, an extra hour of discipleship and Bible study, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. And uh, uh, Miss Pam's class meets right, just right out here in the hallway. Brother Al's meets over in the building right behind us here, and mine meets in the office building. So uh, uh, you say, well, I, I don't know where any of that is. Well, they're all real easy to find. So <clears throat> just come an hour earlier if, you, if you'd like to, and uh, it'd be great. We've been studying through the Gospel of Mark, and I, we're going to deal with a passage. That's one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of Mark, and uh, it's one of the most poignant, one of the most emotional stories in the Bible. <clears throat> uh, it's in, in Mark chapter 5. We'll be looking at it, but all through the Gospel of Mark, here's what, and you know, Mark was... Uh, uh, a companion of the Apostle Peter. He and, and Peter became very, very close friends. He was also probably a nephew of Barnabas, the traveling companion with the Apostle Paul. And so although Mark was not an apostle, he knew all the apostles, and he was firsthand at a lot of the events that, uh, that happened in the New Testament. So he writes this real brief story of the life and ministry of Jesus. It's the shortest of all of the Gospels, and more than likely it was the first Gospel to be written. And uh, after Jesus uh, rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven and everything, and all the people began to tell the stories about Jesus, and people, you know, they'd say, you remember that time he did this? Oh, you remember that time? And and just the stories just were all being told and everybody, but they weren't written down. And uh, I don't know exactly why they didn't write it sooner, but it may be that as some of the disciples and some of the uh, some of the Christians began to die, Maybe somebody thought, you know, maybe we ought to write this down. And, and so they did. And uh, Mark wrote down this short 
gospel account, and then Matthew wrote one, and Luke wrote one, and then the apostle John wrote one. And so we have four accounts of the life of Jesus written by people who were actually there. And they, they saw these things happen. And so Mark starts his gospel off by saying, I'm wanting to tell you the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. He just puts it right there at the very first. Look, I'm telling you not about Jesus, the teacher. I'm not telling you about Jesus, the, the, the friend. I'm telling you, we know that Jesus was the Son of God. And so he begins to tell how this happened and, or how, how he knows this. And in these first few chapters, we've seen Jesus heal, uh, uh, cast the demon out of a man in the synagogue. We see him uh, heal a paralyzed man. We see him heal a leper, a man that had the dreaded disease of leprosy. And, uh, and then many other healings. He just said he healed many, many people. One, in one place, it says he healed people all day, all evening. Just everybody that came to him, he was healing all these diseases and casting out evil spirits. And then last week, we saw where he went to across the Sea of Galilee and he went to the area of the Gadarenes and there this demoniac met him, this demon-possessed man. And he wasn't just a man with a demon. In fact, he said he had a whole legion of demons in him. So he was in pretty sad shape. And, and nobody could do anything with him. They had tried chaining him up, and he'd just break the chains. And, he, and night and day, he's out in the, in the tombs screaming and, and yelling and cutting himself with stones. Just a crazy man. And he comes, and Jesus heals him. Jesus casts all those demons out of him. And the Bible says when the people came out from the town... They saw this man, this man that had formerly been the terror of the town, and he's sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed, and he's okay. He's in his right mind. And they're just, everybody's amazed. But what the most amazing thing is, when the people saw that, they, they told Jesus to go away. They said, you know, uh, we don't know how to, ha- how to handle this kind of thing. And so the next chapter, chapter, I mean the next part of the chapter, chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus left. And, uh, and by the way, the, the demon, the, the man that had been healed from demons uh, wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus told him, no, you go home. You go home to your family. And you tell them what great things God has done to you. And then the next verse says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again. So you remember, they, they crossed the sea from, from the, the western side over to the eastern side. That's when the storm came and Jesus calmed the storm. And then they get over here and he calms a demon-possessed man and heals him. And now they're going back to the other side. And so... When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. So he gets out of the boat, comes back. He's over on the, the, the western side of the sea, and, uh, and something, ama- something happens here. 
Now, I just need to stop for a second to tell you this story. This is going to be the story of a miracle in a miracle. In fact, there's a, Jesus is going to perform a miracle, and somebody stops him, and he has to perform a miracle to go perform the miracle. And so we're going to look at those the next two Sundays, to, today and tomorrow. I mean, today and next Sunday. But uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could go to church every day? Ah, oh, man, I'd love that. If I could preach every day, that would just be so much fun. But uh, uh, so, so here's, here's the story. There's this ruler of the synagogue. Every synagogue, every town that had a synagogue in it had kind of a president of the synagogue. He wasn't the rabbi. He wasn't the one who actually did the teaching. He was kind of the administrative leader of the synagogue, but he was always a highly respected man in town, and he was chosen by the synagogue for, because of his administrative um, gifts and so forth to be a ruler of the synagogue. And so this man was the ruler of the synagogue. His name was Jairus. And so, behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So Jesus is getting out of the boat, and this great crowd of people gathering around him, and all of a sudden, this man comes pushing his way through the crowd, and he's uh, a desperate man. He's, a, he's an important man. He's an he's a, 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 a honored man. He, he's a recognized leader. And so people must have been shocked. What's he, what's he doing? this because actually the synagogue had not been very friendly to Jesus. So here is a guy coming to Jesus who had been kind of in opposition to Jesus. So what has happened to make him come running to Jesus and fall down at the feet of Jesus? Well, he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, no doubt Jairus had heard and had even seen many of the healings that Jesus had done. But somehow or another, it was hard for him as a ruler of the synagogue to become a follower of Jesus. But then something happened in his life. His little 12-year-old daughter got sick. We have no idea what the sickness was. It probably started out just as something that they thought, she'll be okay. But it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And maybe they took her to the doctor. I don't know. Uh, the doctor said, I, there's nothing I can do for her. And then finally, they pronounced that she was not going to get well. She is dying. His 12-year-old daughter. And we've all had a sense of helplessness when there's something happening in our life, and we don't know how to fix it. And we've tried all of our resources. Nothing has helped. And it looks like 
there's no hope. And what do we do then? Well, we run to God, don't we? We take it to Jesus. We say, can you help? This has been an extremely, extremely stressful week in our home. And we're facing some issues in, in our life right now that are, they just look hopeless. Some situations that if we, we just knew how to fix it. But we don't know how to fix it. So you know what we've done? We've run to Jesus. And we've fallen down at his feet. And we've said, Jesus, this situation is beyond us. We don't know how to fix it. And that's exactly what Jairus did. That was wise for him to do. And it was a humbling thing for him to do because, as I said, he was a ruler. He was an important man. And for him to come and fall down at the feet of Jesus there on the seashore and cry out. And he said, my, my little girl, she's dying. I can't help it. I don't know what to do. Will you come? And if you would come and just lay your hands on her, I've seen you do this with other people. If you just come and lay your hands on her, she could live. Would you do that? And Jesus said, so Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. All these people there. Man, can you imagine... Everybody has seen all these amazing things that Jesus has done and the ones that hadn't seen it with their own eyes had heard about it and everybody's gathering around. We want, what, what, what is, who is this? What's he going to do now? And so let's go on down. Now we're about, to, we're about to see a miracle within the miracle, but I want you to go on down and we're going we're gonna to come back to that miracle next week. But down to about verse what? Uh, while he was still, yeah, no, yeah, right after that. While Jesus was still speaking, by the way, on the way to Jairus' house, Jesus got interrupted, and a, a woman that had a need, he met that need. We'll talk about that next Sunday. Very, very amazing, wonderful story. But while Jesus was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. And they said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So now desperation turns to impossibility. What do you do when... Somebody says, that thing you've been praying for, that thing you've been hoping for, it's over. It's over. Why, why talk to God about it anymore? I've talked to couples who have had so much stress in their marriage. And there have been so much hurt, so much damage that's been done. Maybe angry, hurtful words, 
maybe even infidelity. And people pray. And then somebody says, it's over. It's over. She's gone. He's gone. There's no hope now. What do you do then? Well, a logical thing to do would be to say, well, forget it. It's over. It's done. I'm so glad this story is in the Bible. Because I've seen so many situations where it would have been easy to just say, forget it. It's over. But I love what the next verse says. These people came and said, Jairus, leave him alone. There's no need to bother him anymore. Your little girl is dead. They've already started the funeral preparations. Your little girl is dead. And the next verse, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Isn't that amazing? He knew that that word had come like a lightning bolt to Jairus. It's over. She's dead. And he begins to tremble. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Now, what is he to believe? Sometimes we say, just believe the best. No. He is believing that Jesus is still present and that he is still able. Listen to the next verse. And he, that is Jesus, allowed nobody to go with him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult, a crowd of people, and those who wept and wailed loudly. I was reading this last week about funeral customs in the days of Jesus, in the Jewish times. And part part of what happened at funerals was people, they didn't just weep, they they wailed and and, uh, they would rip their clothes and they would uh, uh, throw dust and ashes up on their head and they would scream and 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 it was almost uh, obligatory you if you really cared in other words the more you cared the louder you screamed and they even had professional wailers that you could hire who were especially loud. And so it's possible that they had already called in 
uh, professional mourners who were wailing and screaming and all this tumult going on. And so when Jesus arrived, he saw all this tumult. And when Jesus came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? Why are you carrying on like this? And then he says, the child is not dead, but she's sleeping. Now, some people have taken that to mean that she really wasn't actually dead, that she actually was just asleep and kind of in a coma. But the Bible does make it clear that she was truly dead. But Jesus often referred to death as sleep. And we know that even when we as Christians die, the Bible refers to it as that we sleep, those who sleep. And but... Nothing is really too hard for Jesus, is it? So look at the next verse. And they ridiculed him. And by the way, when, when you tell people God is able, God is able to salvage an unsalvageable situation, God is able to do the impossible, there are people who will make fun of you. And if they don't do it outwardly, they may do it inwardly. And these people, and we're told in one of the other Gospels that they laughed him to scorn. They just ridiculed. They said, who do you think you are? But when he had put them all outside, and by the way, the Greek little phrase here, put them all outside, is the word for drove them out. It was like Jesus said, get out of here. I don't know what he may have looked like at that moment, but I have an idea. There may have been a look in his eyes that made them say, bye. And they scattered. And when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those that were with him, Peter, James, and John, and he entered in where the child was lying on the bed. And he took the child by the hand. And he said to her, Talitha kumi. It's an Aramaic, just tender, sweet Aramaic phrase, which means, little girl, get up. Little girl, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and she walked. She was 12 years old. And they, is this an understatement? <laughs> and they were overcome with great amazement. They were just overwhelmed. Just, I think overcome, I think probably Don Francisco has a song that tells the story of this uh, event, one of the ballad songs that he does. And he tells how that the mother, now this is his imagination, how the mother had not cried, that she just sat there and stared through empty eyes. But then when the little girl gets up, said at last she really cried. 
And I think this was an, a, an amazing thing. They were overcome with great amazement. And then Jesus told them, uh, he commanded them, don't, don't tell people about this. Now, that'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> As a matter of fact, the song by Don Francisco, is, that song is called, I've Got to Tell Somebody. <laughs> I've just got to tell somebody. And uh, can you imagine God raising your little girl from the dead? And then he says, don't, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> he said, give her something to eat. Feed this girl now. And uh, is that the last verse in that? I can't remember if there's one beyond that or not. And I believe then he went out from there, came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. So what, what do we take away from this story? Here's sometimes in life we face situations that make us desperate. And uh, we still have hope, but we're desperate. And, and we, we go to the Lord humbly and quickly and worshipfully and prayerfully, and we say, Jesus, if you'll come, I know you can help. But then sometimes our desperation actually becomes what appears to be hopelessness and impossibility. So what do we do then? We don't stop. We keep praying. We keep trusting. And we say, Jesus you are not only able to heal the sick, you are able to raise the dead. And that's the, that's the Lord we have. Now, uh, our situations today sometimes appear just as hopeless maybe in relationships. And, uh, and, and I would say, of course, you know, somebody say, well, are you saying then that if I, if I have somebody who's sick and I pray that God will heal them even if they die? No, I'm not saying that. There is a time where uh, the things happen in the course of natural events. But I'm saying that this story lets us know that we don't, stop just because the world says don't bother Jesus anymore the case is hopeless now we listen for him and when he says don't be afraid just believe then we keep believing and we say Lord your will be done whatever you I don't think Jairus had any idea that Jesus was going to raise his little girl from the dead. 
he because that's why he was overwhelmed and amazed. He thought Jesus was perhaps coming to pay respects, coming to offer sympathy. He had no idea that what happened was going to happen. And yet Jesus had said to him, right now, you're in a in between two things, fear and faith. Fear and faith. He said, let go of your fear. Take hold of your faith. Don't be afraid. Believe. Believe. And all he knew to believe was that Jesus had said to him, don't be afraid. Just believe. And he said, in essence, Lord, I believe in you. You're here. And he did not know what was going to happen afterwards. But what did happen went beyond what he had even hoped for. And sometimes, sometimes God gets greater glory out of raising the dead than he does healing the sick. Sometimes God gets greater glory out of restoring an impossible situation than he does preventing an impossible situation. So the message to my heart today and to yours, I hope, is that no matter what you're facing, no matter how desperate you feel, or even no matter how hopeless you feel, God's word is don't be afraid. Trust in me. Just believe. I know your situation. I know you. I know your need. I'm here. And the same Jesus who said to the men in the storm on the boat, why are you afraid? I'm here. He says to Jairus, don't be afraid. I'm here. And he says to me and to you, don't give up. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And he is here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story that's been recorded for us by all the gospel writers, by all three of the synoptic gospel writers, to remind us that uh, when we feel desperate and even when we feel hopeless, that as long as you are present, as long as you are in control, you are able to do more exceedingly more than we're able to even ask or even to think. And I pray that the same Savior who met this hopeless situation in the home and life of Jairus will meet the hopeless situations in our lives today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.